Are you interested in getting the upper hand in any negotiations that you are part of? Check out episode number 66 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. We're talking about negotiation now. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoie. All right, welcome to the show. Yet another episode. Here we are at episode 66, everybody. 66 and trucking along. I'm your host, Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you get all new episodes when they come out. Now, ask yourself, when was the last time you negotiated something, right? Forget about divorce, just anything. And how did it go? You feel like you did a good job? Were you comfortable? What would you do differently the next time? Well, that's what this episode is all about. I've known Greg Williams, also known as the Master Negotiator. I've known him for years. I actually attended a seminar uh, with him way, way back. I think before I even uh, became an attorney, I I saw him in a seminar. And he was giving people tips on negotiation. Because he is the expert. He's practiced negotiation tactics and strategies for more than 30 years. He spent over 20 years studying the way body language can affect negotiation outcomes. So his education and experience come from all different areas, including universities, governmental agencies, just the life and school of hard knocks, right? He served on numerous numerous corporate business and governmental boards, and he is here to talk with me and to talk to you to give you some tips that you can use negotiating your divorce and, frankly, just negotiating anything in life. So without further ado, I am excited to bring you my conversation with the master negotiator, Greg Williams. Greg, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. How are you today? Hey, Jason. I'm alive and I'm A-OK. That's what I always say. Life is a mindset. If you have the belief that things are going good, things will go. Personally, if you think, oh, woe is me, things will tend to be exactly what you expect them to become. So I keep a positive outlook on all aspects of life. Yeah, that That's great, number one. And you know, I have to tell you, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, Lately, for some for some reason, uh, more often than in the past, I've been having guests on and, and having conversation with people, uh, different, you know, other experts about mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just funny, like, you know, if you would have asked me, I don't know, two years ago, um, you know, about the importance of mindset and really, you know, thinking positively and, and doing that kind of a thing, I would have probably really told you you know, it's a little too foofy for me. I, you know, it, what's going to happen is going to happen regardless of how you think, but I really am chain coming around on that. Um, and I, and I do believe if you have a woe is me attitude or you're constantly thinking negatively, um, that can't, it can't help, but, um, infect everything else that you do, uh, which in turn, you know, affects the rest of your life. So I'm, I'm, I do believe in mindset now, and I'm all about thinking positively. Um, and I, I do think it's super important. Uh, definitely so. And talk about negotiation strategies today, et cetera. The mindset that a negotiator takes into any particular situation will, to a degree, 
dictate his or her actions because he or she will perceive the other negotiator as being, oh, I, I knew that person was going to be uh, harmful. I knew that person was going to be dogmatic. I knew that person. And without keeping an open mindset and having one that's positive, one can then close one's perspective to the opportunities that may be in front of you simply because you're not expecting to see them. We really do migrate towards that which we think about. And the mind is the gate to that process. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I just want to make sure you're hearing me clearly because you're breaking up a, a little bit, but you're, you're pretty good. So um, we're going to, we'll keep on rolling here, but okay. give everybody a little bit uh, of a background in case they're not familiar with you, you know, who you are, your experience and kind of how you got to where you are today. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I was born many, no, let me <laughs> not go back that far. Bad question. No, I, I've been, and you know what though, Let, let's use that as an example, because I will talk about myself in a moment. But let's use that as an example how one answers a question that's posed to one. One must know exactly what is being sought in a negotiation before one should even really try to answer the question. So now, having said that, we'll come back to it. But let me go back and just tell you, I've been teaching skills, reading body language skills for more than 30 plus years. I do it worldwide. I've written seven books on the topic of negotiation and reading body language. And I'm in the process of writing book number eight. I have a wealth of knowledge simply because I realize the degree of importance that negotiation is in every aspect of one's life. And thus, I really love dispersing information and insights about how people can improve their life as a result of being able to negotiate better. That's the cook's tour, as it were. That's the cook's tour. It sounds delicious. <laughs> um, and... And I'm so excited uh, to talk negotiation, partly because as an attorney, it's part of what I do on a, a regular basis. Um, but even you don't have to be an attorney. Uh, people negotiate every day, whether they know it or not, right? Definitely so. As a matter of fact, line is you're always negotiating. Anytime you're interacting with another individual, you're giving insights as to how you might respond in a particular situation. Negotiators that negotiate for a living, living, and I have some clients that literally negotiate multi-million dollar deals daily. So what they do, way ahead of what's the official negotiation, they will gather information about the parties with whom they'll be negotiating. They'll set the foundation of how a person uses their body language in a particular situation, how a person responds to a particular stimuli, what it is that they can do to get that other individual to move in one direction or another based on what it is that they apply in the form of motivation individual to do just that. So yes, one is always negotiating and a lot of people, Jason, make the mistake of saying, well, no, I wasn't negotiating. We were just talking. Okay, so while you were just talking, were you giving secrets away? Were you giving information away about how you might respond? Were you giving information away about what value you had as your perspective that you would bring into a situation? Were you giving secrets away about how you might respond if you were threatened? And to what degree would a threat have to be in order to motivate you to do something? When you're exchanging information, you're giving all kinds of insights into your character, your demeanor, 
and thus you're always negotiating. Yeah, and body language. That's why I, I love uh, hearing what you always have to talk, say and, and talking with you because body language is such an interesting uh, area to me. Um, and I haven't studied it, uh, but it's, you know, one day when I have some more time on my hands, it's something I would love to read more about and, and get into because I find it fascinating. Um, now, I have so many questions that I want to get in with, uh, get into with you. But the first thing that's top of mind, uh, because it comes up, you know, somewhat often uh, with my clients uh, who are people thinking about getting divorced and, and or going through a, a difficult divorce is oftentimes people, they feel that a negotiation can only work in their favor if they feel that they have some leverage. If, if they don't feel they have any leverage uh, to use that the other side might you know, acknowledge as leverage, let's say, um, that they, they have no skin in the game, then it's not going to work. What would you say about that? Do you have to have leverage, real leverage, in order to effectively negotiate? Well, first of all, real leverage has to be defined because when you right. talk about a situation, there are emotions that are involved in that interaction. Um, sometimes <laughs> the emotions may run hot simply because uh, one party may feel as though the other party has taken advantage of them all along. And thus, now's my time to get back at you for all the harm you've caused me. Other times, the two parties may truly be saddened by the fact that though there's no other recourse but to separate and go their separate ways. And they may want to be amicable towards one another. Therein lies the leverage. What is it that someone really wants, needs, and why are they being motivated to do whatever it is that they are engaged in or engaging about to engage in? Leverage is something that we have and it shifts throughout a negotiation depending upon where we are in a negotiation what has occurred up to that point and how someone feels as though their perspective of the outcome may be threatened. So if, for example, and I'm going to make this drastic, okay? So I'll say that right up front. All right, we're going drastic. Yeah, exactly. Two people are engaged in a negotiation. One happens to be the doctor and the other isn't. Let me phrase it in that manner. The one that's the doctor uh, is talking and starts getting excited and so forth and so on. And the doctor's spouse all of a sudden uh, has a heart attack. Uh, let's, I mean, really drastic. That's, That's drastic. Yeah. Now, it is. And, and hypothetically, the one, the doctor, uh, the one that didn't have the heart attack is the doctor. And the doctor says, you know what? Let the person die. Okay, that's real drastic. That's leverage. Or the person says, if you want me to save you, the doctor says, if you want me to save you, uh, let's end this amicably. Do you agree? And the person that's having a heart attack will definitely say yes. That's drastic leverage. Now let's take it down a lot. On the other hand, at the other end of that spectrum, two individuals that are truly, truly trying to realize that, okay, we will have a life after this. So let's try and save whatever relationship we're going to have going forward. Therein lies the leverage. It's the outcome that they want. And to the degree the two of them can work towards an amicable agreement because they know they have to live with one another in the future because of the kids or whatever. They will also try to abide by whatever the other wishes per an outcome. 
And Jason, when two people are engaged in a negotiation, both parties have to be abreast of the mindset of the other individual, and they have to be truly understanding of what the other person wants and why that person wants it, along with what it means to that person to have it. And therein lies your leverage source. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up, and I'll tell you why. Because it makes me feel slightly good, I'll be honest. Because what I tell people uh, when I talk about negotiation uh, in the divorce context, and when you know I'm giving tips uh, and coaching, part of what I say, and I think you just kind of confirmed it, but let's make sure here because I want to make sure we're all on the same page, is that you know one of the exercises I give people to do, as I say, before you get into any substantial negotiation, you need to understand what their motivation is, the other person. Um, and one way to get some uh, information on that is to figure out what, you know, and for you and them, figure out what they want versus what they need. Um, and that will help you and do the same thing for yourself. And, and that kind of helps you give some perspective on what, you know, they are really trying to get at you know, uh, versus what they might be just using as, um, for lack a of a red better herring. Word, what's that? A red herring. Yes. That's a good way to put it. A red herring or a distraction or right stuff that, you know, they're making a big stink about, but they don't really care about. So did I, isn't that kind of what you just said? I just want to make sure I heard you right. Well, that, it, it, it definitely is. To the degree you really know what the other person wants and needs, and there can be a difference or not. And therein right. lies what you must know about that individual also, because if that person says, "I well, I really want to have yada, 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 or I really need yada, 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 you would follow up as a good negotiator to either, ask, what does that mean? So you can get a, a definition, a better understanding of what the individual is saying when the person says, I want the car. Okay, well, do you really want the car or do you want the money that comes from selling the car or do you want to look good because the car would offer that to you? And once that person gives you their perspective of what, what I want the car means, you can then, and we can go back to leverage again, you have a better understanding of why that person wants that particular asset uh, as they are getting ready to separate uh, in the marriage and to the degree you can or want to or need to. That then becomes a source of leverage. Well, if I give you the car, will you give me body? And that's something else. If you offer your proposals with an if statement, you make your offer conditional. So basically what I'm saying is, if you don't give me the car, I won't do X. That also gives you a backdoor from which to exit by making your statements conditional. And it's the same thing with time constraints. Always be uh, cautious about time constraints also, but that's yet another topic. Yeah, like ultimatums. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, those can be dangerous, exactly. I think, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. If you don't follow up on all that, you lose power. And if you back somebody up too much once they've given an ultimatum and they've backed away from it, they be they may become irrational and then no telling what they may do and you always want to have some idea of predicting what that individual will do in a particular situation in a negotiation and 
you should have planned for what course of actions they may take if you do X. They do Y, you do X. They do Y, you do X. Uh-oh, they did A. Oh, okay, so wait a minute. I have a scenario for that too. And you stay on course towards the goals of your seeking in the negotiation. Yeah, and, and that's a great uh, transition point I think we should follow up on is that, you know, a lot of what I think you're saying involves, you know, is preparing, right? I tell people how important it is to prepare for divorce, generally speaking, but for negotiation, the better prepared you are, the more information you have, it sounds like obviously the better the negotiation will be for you. Um, how does one prepare for negotiation? You know, if let's say um, in the divorce context, you have uh, two people who are not communicating well or at all at that point, um, and the limitation, you know, the, the availability of information that you may be looking for to help you in your negotiation is limited. How does, what would you suggest? How do you go about preparing for that kind of a situation? Well, first of all, in a negotiation with people that are in the process of going through a divorce or even thinking that the relationship may be headed in that direction, they've already started gathering information. And what I mean by that is they know the characteristics, they know the personality of their mate. And therein lies a wealth of information right there. So you have a baseline from which to compare how that person's actions will change on you as you go about gathering uh, more information. Then you can start, in some cases, if you want to talk about getting drastic, you hire a private detective. You uh, literally, oh boy, oh boy, I don't believe I'm getting ready to say this. Don't say it. You can, you, <laughs> it's you just can us. Put, you can put boxes on their phone. <laughs> I mean... There is a wealth of information that you can gather, and some may be, um, well, less, scrupul uh, less scrupulous than others, but there are ways to go about doing just that. Private eyes are a source of information dependent upon how deep you wish to get into the weeds and, get, and gathering information, and follow the person's Facebook page, do, do whatever. But the point is you need to gather that information because therein lies the baseline from which you'll uh, develop your negotiation strategy with that individual. Find out what they want, find out, find out why it is that they want and need those things and find out what they plan to do with them later. So hypothetically, is there a, a third person in this relationship that you were unaware of? Oh, you just discovered that, aha. Now you have this extra insight that you can use as leverage because now you know what else to dig up about that third person too. Yeah. And just as a disclaimer, we're not advocating, you know, bugging anybody's phones or anything. You can get into real trouble like that. We're just talking about ways to gather information. <laughs> I, and I don't want anybody putting themselves in a bad spot trying to do something like that. So, <laughs> all right. Jason, thank you for <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Have to, have to do that. Well, <laughs> As a lawyer, I know we have to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but a lot, a lot of people um, are dealing, um, and it's a, it's a hot topic word, you know, uh, that evokes a lot of emotion. And, you know, I won't get into the word itself, but people feel like they are dealing with or divorcing a narcissist or somebody with a narcissistic type personality. Um, and you know, somebody with that dynamic, 
right? Who is, you know, overly self-absorbed or, you know, and, and manipulative and, um, you know, is very good at, uh, manipulating the other person and, and, you know, blaming and, and deflecting blame, not taking accountability, that type of a personality. When you're negotiating with that type of a personality, um, for example, in divorce, you know, people often will attempt mediation um, uh, and where a third party neutral mediator is, is helping bridge the gap and, and resolve issues. But, and, and sometimes the people have attorneys with them, sometimes they don't. Um, and a lot of times I find that the mediator isn't necessarily equipped to handle such a strong personality, uh, you know, a narcissistic type personality. And so that person, you know, we'll label them the narcissist, um, takes control of the whole process and, and it doesn't go well. Do you have any tips for negotiating with that type of a personality? You know, somebody who is skilled at manipulating um, and, you know, really just manipulating a situation, a situation for their own benefit. How do you, or can you even effectively negotiate with, with somebody like that? Well, the, an <clears throat> the answer is yes, you can. And there are different styles and types of negotiators. You have the easygoing uh, negotiator. You have what I term as the person that wants to go along to get along. And then you have the bully type, narcissistic type of negotiator. Sometimes, the only reason that bully type narcissistic type is the way he is or will act in a certain manner is because you allow him to. And what I mean by that is if you all of a sudden stand up to that individual or if you've kowtowed to that individual all along and now you realize, okay, this is going to some type of arbitration, you have several different moves that you can make prior to that. You can start showing through your actions I'm not afraid of you. You're not going to bully me any blank more, okay? And, and you could even do the body language gesture and get the person to start following you. And the person might go, whoa, oh, well, okay, let's see what happens. Now, you may have noticed the body language I uh, projected was one of backing up a little bit. Okay, if you see such a signal like that, that means you've gotten through to that daggone person because not only is the person slightly backing up like, whoa, who, who is this that I'm talking to? Not this little meek person I used to talk with, right. but therein lies step one of how you could start to take or at least make that person start giving you the credit for whom it is that you are. The next thing is, if you wanna to go to arbitration, you can decide, okay, is this going to be binding arbitration? But make sure that you can control this narcissistic person to the degree that well, here's how we are going to enter this if we, if we decide to go into bonding arbitration. Number one, you're not going to be a, bank, a, a blank hole, okay? Okay, you promise? Okay. Uh, number two, we will be civil with one another. Now, if we can't agree on the terms, that will allow us to go into arbitration, not to arbitration. So what you've started to do though, is set a pattern. Remember I said, you're always negotiating. You start to set a pattern whereby you can then start to move that person's perspective of you such that they start respecting you more. And to the degree they start respecting you more, they will start giving you more respect. A bully will only bully those that allow themselves to be Right. You, you cut out that last part. So I just want you to repeat that. A bully will only bully 
those that will allow themselves to be bullied. Okay, awesome. Now, in the in the context of somebody who, let's say you do everything that you just said, um, and you know if the person in response, like for those listening, you backed up, like you know, oh, like who is this person? You know, yeah, that like we talked about earlier, that gives you a little leverage, right? Mm-hmm. But if the person doesn't back up and says, no, I'm not going to agree that you know doesn't agree, you know, to your terms of even how to begin the, you know, process of going to a mediation or arbitration, it doesn't matter which one. Um, Then in that scenario, would you say the negotiation kind of shuts down because um, the other person is clearly, you know, blocking it? No, a negotiation doesn't set a shutdown until all parties engaged in it have negotiation is over and then after whatever bonding agreements are presented and received that's when the negotiation is over so i say that to say no only means no for the moment you talked about leverage earlier and as we engaged in talking about leverage all you do then is sit back and wait for a point of leverage whereby you can use that to make the other person sway the other person starting your perspective hypothetically all of a sudden the person loses his or her job and the person is uh, in need of whatever financial resources would come from the divorce and you're the one seeking the divorce you might then say okay look this marriage has been over for quite some time and both of us know it how about if we do xyz Okay, remember, this person is in need of financial assistance at that point. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So you, you wait for that point of leverage, and that's when you actually implement whatever strategy you choose to uh, use at that particular point in time. Gotcha. So patience can be a virtue, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. But you have thought- you know, I'm sorry, Jason. I also, and I literally just wrote about this most recently, being two weeks ago. If patience is a virtue, what is um, wasting time? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, huh? <laughs> anyway. Let me think about this for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those philosophical questions, I guess. Yeah, we'll save that for, we'll save that for another episode, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> we'll have to chew on that one for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but patience, patience is great. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm also hearing from you is that you have to, and this goes to preparation and, and understanding what you either need or, or want, you have to be prepared. So when, when you see that opportunity, you know how to act on it. 1000% correct. And that can be part of your contingency plan in the negotiation. You can literally have a, a box as it were, uh, if you're looking at a, a, a diagram, let's say, that says, these are the type of contingencies I will seek in order to gain leverage in this particular situation. And like I said, loss of job, uh, getting caught with uh, a third person that's in the relationship. Uh, there are numerous ways to gain leverage on people. And if you can't get it directly against your target, you go to whomever your target wants to protect the most. So. 
in this case, if there's a third party in the relationship and you've discovered that third party is in your relationship and that third party has something to protect and you can't get your spouse to agree to whatever outcomes you're seeking, you try to then attack that third party for it being whatever security they feel want to maintain. And that way you gain yet another source of the leverage. So it's not just the, the, your spouse that you can go after. If, this, if it's a third person in the relationship, you go after the third person. You go after job security. It, it's all according to how dirty you wish to get. Well, yeah, I was and about I'm to say, yeah. That, spouse that, to get dirty. Then, then it gets really messy very quickly. You got to be very careful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Definitely so. Right. And, and those are big choices that uh, you, you may want to consider or you may not. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are options. The point is, though. Right. And, th and that's the point, Jason. There are options and it's all according to how willing you are to engage in certain options that at least you need to uh, assess and while doing so, think about what it is, how deep, how dark your opponent may go against you too, because you need to arm yourself to protect yourself if such an attack comes from those means. Well, that's it. So that's a great point. And, and we'll make this maybe the last point of the show. So uh, we're running out of time, but, but you know, we can talk for hours on this stuff, but you meant if you're, if you're the person that you're negotiating, I'll say against, in this case, your spouse, you know, if they are a dirty player, if they are, um, you know, looking to gain the advantage for themselves and, and, and find your weak points, what can you do to, fight back on that or protect yourself? Are there any good tips for that? First of all, keep your stuff covered. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say something that you will get, okay? There's a friend of mine that has um, a government clearance type of operations. And thus, people will really see his environment because that can give away even insights uh, into his demeanor, his uh, activities that someone might use against him. So if you know that you have a spouse that will use anything against you, expression, don't be stupid. Don't leave incriminating information around and or information that they might be able to use to harm you, against you. Just, just make sure you cover everything up and be, be prepared to address lies that may be told on you such that another person gains leverage. And you do that by making your cheering squads, your followers, your supporters ready to actually come out in your defense. You already have that on standby and thus you can implement it at a moment's notice. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you, you, you kind of said all those things because it, it brings me, another thing that I, I preach often is that you know, be careful what you text, be careful what you email, uh, because you never know in the divorce context when it's going to be used against you uh, or shown to a, a judge in, in court. And, you know, everybody's human. And, you know, if the other side starts playing in the mud, so to speak, and getting dirty, it's tempting and it's easy sometimes for us to kind of go back down to that level and respond in kind. But yeah, be careful because, right, I always say you want to wear the white gloves. Right, mm -hmm. a fine dining restaurant. You want to wear the, the white gloves in the divorce. Let them get all the mud up. So if you ever have to go to court before a judge, you can go like this. And I'm showing my hands to everybody who's listening. You know, saying no mud on me, judge. 
you know exactly exactly jason 100 percent correct awesome greg i wish i could talk to you for uh another you know 48 hours (laughs) 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 but I'll, i'll have to have you on in the future if you're willing to come on there's so much stuff um, and you drop so much gold uh, about this that, you know, I know we're only touching the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, but I want to thank you for coming on today. What would be one, one big tip that you can leave the listeners that they can walk away from that can change the way they negotiate? Well, it's my tagline. Remember, you're always negotiating. That what you do today influences tomorrow's opportunities and or lack of i love that short sweet it's almost like you prepared that (laughs) (laughs) it's the truth it's essentially the truth (laughs) keep in mind that things that you do today really do impact tomorrow and it impacts how you look at yourself in tomorrow's environment and the way others will look at you so you're always negotiating yeah, no, that's absolutely true, um, and and I love it. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I know everybody listening. You know, you you I could see their eyes like bulging out, like, oh wow, yeah. And and where can people find you to learn more? Well, they can reach me at themasternegotiator.com. They can also send an email to Greg. That's G R E G at the T H E Master M A S T E R Negotiator. A-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com. Awesome. And I will uh, put the link in the show notes too for people uh, to easily accept to get. And do you do, you, do you help people individually and one-on-one? Yes, I do. And I'm even hesitant to say, yes, I do, because I, I do have um, a role of clientele uh, and dependent upon certain situations and circumstances, uh, I, I do help individuals uh, that are not high net worth. Let me phrase it in that manner. Gotcha. Understand. All right. Just in case somebody wants to reach out with questions or, uh, you know, and, add and you, you to and, their divorce team. And Jason, what, what I would do is suggest that they literally go through you because you do excellent work. You have a care and concern about the genuine nature of people. So what I'd suggest is if anyone wanted to get in touch with me, to do so by getting in touch with you because you would be a first, a good first resource for them. I'd let you vet them for me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could vet them for you, but then we might have to take it up a notch, and that's where you would come in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I don't call myself the master negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a title bestowed upon me as a result of being on uh, TV and things of that nature. So I accept. <laughs> no, and 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 you are the real deal. So that's why I, I love talking to you. Thank you again for coming on the show. And we will definitely do another episode and, and get into the weeds on some of this stuff a little more. Thank you very much, Jason. There you have it. Another good episode from the master negotiator, Greg Williams. Hope you learned something and you can learn even more by checking Greg out and what he's doing in the field of negotiation. So important, especially in divorce. Now, if you're looking for personal divorce coaching, check out my website, jasonlavoy.com. I offer group and personal one-on-one coaching depending on what your needs are. Just reach out, talk to me, and I'll be happy to tell you how I may, I may be able to help you through this tough journey. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive 
I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon. Thank you.